This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. What do country, bluegrass, folk, and blues music have in common? They all fall under the umbrella of Americana, a style of music that originated in the South. Americana music is incredibly popular, with tracks by major artists routinely topping the charts. And many of you love it, too. My favorite country song is Remember When by Alan Jackson. Remember when I was young, so you. Time stood still. Love was all we knew. It reminds me of my husband, and I think of it often as we make our journey through life together. It's just such a beautiful song and captured the importance of every stage of life. One of my favorite folk songs is Roll on Columbia, which Woody Guthrie wrote for the Bonneville Power Administration. Canadian Northwest to the ocean so blue, it's Roll on Columbia, roll on, roll on. In the 1940s. Years ago, I had a summer job in the heart of the Columbia Basin, and no one there had ever heard it. So here was I, a kid from Brooklyn, teaching them the song. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Jen, Carl, thanks for those messages. Despite the genre's ties to Black musical traditions, many of the musicians who routinely achieve commercial success in the Americana space are white. In many cases, Black musicians have been excluded from the industry. How are Black people reclaiming space in the genre? And what initiatives are helping Black Americana musicians gain attention? On today's Local Spotlight, where we cover local stories that deserve national attention, we explore the Black Opry and WXPN's Black Opry Residency. It aims to do just that. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more after this quick break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Let's get into the conversation with Bruce Warren. He's the Assistant General Manager of Programming at WXPN. That's a public radio station based in Philadelphia that plays alternative music. Bruce, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jen. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So WXPN partnered with the Black Opry to create the Black Opry Residency. What is it and where did the idea come from? 
Well, there were sort of two separate threads that came together for the project. Um, at WXPN, for the last 20 years, we've had an artist, a monthly Artist to Watch program where, where we heavily spotlight new artists, primarily through airplay. Um, and we had been discussing ways in which we could create a series of artist development activities that would really deepen our commitment to a musician beyond the airplay. Um, so that was, a, you know, a set of things that we had been talking about and thinking about for a while. So sort of the, the goal primarily is to really increase our impact on new independent musicians who typically lack access to industry resources. So that was one part of the conversation. The other part of the conversation, as far as, far as Black Opry goes, um, I became aware of the community a couple of years ago at the Americana Music Festival. Um, I'm on the Americana Music Association Board of Directors. And um, in addition to playing and supporting Americana um, musicians here at XPN, I was really super interested in what was going on, the conversations specifically that were taking place about underrepresentation of artists of color in Americana and country music and this incredible community of musicians that uh, was, that was kind of starting uh, that Holly G., who founded Black Opry, was creating. So, you know, we have a history of producing grant-funded major projects around artists and genres that go beyond our daily curation. And once we decided to apply that approach to our Artist to Watch program with annual residencies, it made a ton of sense to collaborate with Holly G and what uh, that community was doing with Black Opry. Explain a little bit more about what the residency entails. So the residency um, entailed, um, well, we had a, about 100 uh, people apply uh, for the residencies. Uh, we had five uh, final residents. Um, and we basically had a two- or three-month period where um, every week we would have a two-hour Zoom where we would bring in mentors. So there, there was a, a, a really deep mentoring project um, process, uh, managers, publishing folks, uh, public relations experts, radio promotion folks, booking agents to sort of meet with the, with the residents um, and to answer their questions. Um, the, you know, if you're a new musician, you can't call up, you know, a cold, you can't make a cold call to a manager or a booking agent. It's really tough. So we were able to give um, access to the residents um, through our uh, relationships and through our network over the years, producing our national show, World Cafe. Um, so we were able to bring this mentoring uh, pro- you know, project together. That led to a week long where all the residents came to Philadelphia. They all stayed in the same house. And uh, we uh, did mentoring sessions here at WXPN. In our studios, we had a big finale concert. They all did uh, the World Cafe. We put them on our morning show. So it was a very comprehensive, very deep project. Now, only five artists were chosen of the 100 uh, who applied for the residency. How did you get down to those five? Good question. It was tough. Um, there's, there's a lot of very talented musicians in the world. So we worked primarily you know, within the Black Opry community. Um, and... Um, we had, uh, in addition to Holly G, um, Reese Palmer, um, who is the host of an Apple Music uh, podcast, uh, Color Me Country, a singer-songwriter, um, uh, was one of our judges, along with Holly. And Miko Marks, who is also in the Americana music space, 
a very talented singer-songwriter. They were our judges, in addition to some people who, you know, are behind the scenes here at XPN. Um, and we judged them on a variety of, of, uh, of factors. Uh, you know, their voice, their songwriting styles, where they were from, their personalities. In fact, I think one of our favorite things was um, we had uh, 10 sort of semifinalists, and we did sort of like these speed dating Zooms with everybody. <laughs> Uh, in which we really, you know, we were able to ask them really quick questions and kind of get them, get to know them a bit, you know. Um, and then ultimately we, uh, we made the, uh, the, the, the final decisions. I want to bring another voice into the conversation now, one of the op- Black Opry residents. That's Denisha. She's a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. Denisha, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks so much for having us, Jen. So f- how did you first learn about the Black Opry? The Black Opry was something that I learned about um, while I was sort of returning to the Americana country genre after a long road of experimenting with different formats and genres in my own artist career. Um, it surfaced somewhere, surfaced somewhere for me on social media, and I immediately was like really excited. It really resonated with me. And as I was finishing up my album Highways my first um, release in the alternative country genre. I was posting a lot of performance videos on my Instagram, and I saw that Holly G and Tanner, who have who uh, run the Black Opry, commented on one of those videos, and I got really excited because that was something that I really wanted to be a part of. And so they invited me to do a tour last fall with some other artists, and that was my first involvement, and I feel like I just was immediately ignited and excited about the community of the Black Opry and, you know, the realization of the vision that they have. You said you'd taken a hiatus, if you will, away from Americana music. Was it just a creative exploration that took you away from the genre or was it something else? Well, you know, (laughs) that's an interesting word, a hiatus, because it does sort of feel like you know, I put it a little bit on pause and held it deep within me. I grew up on 80s and 90s country, so classic country of that time was always formative to the core of of my musical self and what I feel is a really great song. So that was my first cultural obsession. And I became a songwriter as a teenager and started to dabble in all these other sort of textures and genres. And as an artist, I moved from Texas to Tennessee to New York City and was experimenting with different formats and different sounds and I always had at the core of me you know is a song great a song is great if it holds up with a vocal and an acoustic guitar like I had learned in country music as a kid and through all my travels and different experimentations with different genres I sort of returned home to this sound in the quarantine something happened in the quarantine where It felt very uncertain, and I found myself reaching for something that felt like home, something that felt grounding and grounded, and those were the old records of my youth, the classic country of the 80s and the 90s, the stuff that my grandmother was listening to, 50s and 60s country, and that felt home to me, and that felt very essential, and that's what I wanted to channel with my record highways was that feeling of feeling grounded and something that feels authentic and real to me. I've heard from so many musicians 
um, that the pandemic really affected them creatively, whether it was through their exploration of different types of music or their writing process? Did it affect the types of stories you wanted to tell with your music? It definitely did. I felt, and I say this a lot, but I felt like in the quarantine, life as we knew it came to a screeching halt. So in my lifestyle at the time, I'm living in Brooklyn. Things are moving fast. I'm touring. I'm making records. And all of a sudden, all those plans are sort of dashed. And so it felt like a big punctuation mark in life. So what it did to me was it sort of forced me to look behind me and to wonder, wow, I've lived all these different chapters of life and I've known so many people and loved so many people and, and places and, and different ideas and eras of my life. And I reflected on those. And so my album, Highways, is sort of an homage to the chapters of one's life. Bruce, I'm curious to hear from you as you listen to Denisha tell her story, and I'm sure I'm sure you've thought about this a lot, but why do you think it's important for audiences to know her and to know her music and her story? Well, Denisha is an incredible storyteller, you know, ultimately. Um, and, there, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hype in music, you know, um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of storytelling that is um, created um, in a in a not, in a not so authentic way, um, and I think that um, is one of the probably the primary appeal of of Denisha. You know, you, you there's her literal voice, um, which is beautiful. Um, however, there's also these very simple sort of stories about um, people and their lives, and they have. Um, a connection to people regardless of what their race is or what their class is or what their gender is, you, you know? So, you know, the simplicity, I think, um, in a real craft, you know, crafty, meaningful way um, was really the attraction um, to, to Denisha's music. Uh, Denisha, you talked about the music you grew up listening to, and one of your favorite country songs from your childhood is The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia by Reba McIntyre. So you grew up in Southeast Texas, so country, folk, other musical styles under that Americana umbrella were were a crucial part of your upbringing, as you've shared. How did that music reflect the cultural experiences of your early life? Right. So, yeah, I grew up in these small refinery towns in Southeast Texas, and everybody's parents worked for the plant or the refinery, and we all listened to country music. And... My family was very steeped in country music. We were steeped in in the music, the clothing. <laughs> we went to the rodeo faithfully in Houston every year, um, several times a year. And culturally, that was just normal. That was what was cool and that was what was hip. So it really informed um, the way we lived. And I feel like even with a song like The Nights Went Out, the, the Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, it's a story, right? And these stories are what connect us as humans. And that's one of the things that really drew me to country music. 
Bruce, really quickly, for people who want to learn more about musicians in the Black Opry residency, where can they find that information? They can go to our website uh, at WXPN at xpn.org. That's Bruce Warren. He's the Assistant General Manager of Programming at WXPN. Bruce, thanks for speaking with us. Thanks for having me. Up next, we hear from Holly G., the founder and co-director of Black Opry. And Denisha is sticking with us. Here's one of her songs. It's called My Weakness. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back into the conversation with another guest. Holly G. is the founder and co-director of Black Opry. That's an organization that amplifies the work of Black Americana musicians. Holly, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. So you created Black Opry in 2021. It was a digital space. The intention was to unite Black Americana musicians with fans and industry professionals looking to support them. Now there's the residency. Why did you feel there was a need for this project? Um, for the residencies specifically, I have found that I have so much access to the industry just because of when starting this, um, it really took hold and people um, wanted to help. And it's really difficult to translate that access um, back to the artists. And so this residency program was a really, really great way to open up those doors and give the artists some of the access that I have so they can ask the questions themselves and really make those connections that help build a career. Well, in recent years, there's been a big push to call out institutional racism and discrimination across many industries, including music. What was it about this moment that allowed a program like the Black Opry Residency to find success? Well, I started it while we were all kind of locked inside. Um, And I think that everybody kind of being forced to look in the mirror for whatever that meant for them, whatever they were participating in, um, really gave us an advantage because people were in a much more vulnerable place. Um, And so once I saw that, you know, there's not really a ton of rules in the music industry, you just kind of come in and do what you want. Uh, I took full advantage of it, and I'm hoping that we can push it as far as we can. How do you hope this residency helps Black musicians overcome some of the obstacles they face in the Americana genre? 
Um, there's two key things that I think are really important, and that's resources and education. Um, and we were really, really fortunate to get this Pew Grant so that we had the appropriate resources to pour into the artists. Um, and they got really, really amazing education from some great mentors and industry vines. Um, so I feel like it's a perfect recipe that really, really helped launch their careers to the next level. Now, the inaugural week-long residency program, it wrapped up in Philadelphia in March, but that doesn't mean the struggle for these musicians that it's <laughs> over. Uh, what more do you think needs to be done to generate the kind of lasting systemic change you want to see in the Americana genre? I think one of the biggest things um, that we need to see right now is more people of color on the back end side of things. Um, Americana has been called out in a lot of ways and we've seen a lot more progress in the artist representation side, but the people that are making the decisions and allocating those re resources that make the difference are mostly still white men. And unfortunately, all of them are not like Bruce. Um, so we really, really need more people that look like us in those chairs, making those decisions um, so that we can see lasting systematic change. How much of it do you think is also about understanding the roots of Americana and the role Black musicians have played in that? Um, that's a huge part of it for me. And I think for a lot of other people that really, really appreciate music, but I don't really know how much of an impact or effect that would have on the business side of things. Cause there are so many in industries in the country that black people have had a making in the history of, but what happens is white people get it, they co-opt it, commercialize it and make sure that they're in charge of who gets the money off of it. Um, and that's what we've seen happen with country and Americana music. So, you know, educating people in the history is great when people are looking in from the outside, that part is helpful. But in the rooms where the decisions are being made, they know that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're just not doing the right thing. And so for the residents of this first cycle, what happens mm -hmm. next for them? Um, well, right now we're in the middle of this amazing podcast that has come out. Um, and I think, you know, when we chose the residents, everybody was at a different place. And so it'll be really exciting for me to see what that next level means for all of the artists. Um, I know Denisha is heading out on some more tour dates and things like that. And um, I'm crossing my fingers. We're going to get some more music from her soon. So fingers crossed. <laughs> that's, that's Holly G. She's the founder and co-director of Black Opry. That's an organization that amplifies the work of Black Americana musicians. And she mentioned the Black Opry podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Holly, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Denisha, you're still with us. You're, again, a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. You took part in the Black Opry residency. What do you think this residency did for you, especially around that business piece Holly was talking about and, and giving you that access to people you need to be connected to. Right. I think one of the biggest things that I took away from the residency is there tends to be a little bit of a sense of isolation, especially when you're a solo artist. So just the simple act of coming together with other artists under this pretense of moving our art and our careers forward was really impactful to me. And also to be able to chat with and hang with people from different corners of the industry with tons of experience and coming from different places within music just added more dimension to some things I knew, some things I didn't know, and is just helping me to think critically about my next moves. And also it's it's been really great to build relationships with those folks as well. What's an example of, of a specific thing you didn't know that you know now because of the residency? 
That's a great question. I think I have... It's been a while since I've really done a radio promotion, and we had a great radio promoter come to speak to us, um, Angela Backstrom, and she's wonderful and has been a bastion in Americana music. And I think just sort of the effort that goes into promoting a radio to record to get it to cut through just all of the music that comes out daily was really interesting to me and It's something that radio is really important to me. I listen to a lot of radio. And so that was really impactful for me to kind of learn about a little bit more about that process. Well, we're hearing from lots of you this hour. Mark writes, one of my favorite Americana songs was a remake of a 1956 jazz song by Louis Jordan called There Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens by Mountain Laurel. And Ken writes, I play traditional banjo and found back in the 1970s, black musicians were not excluded from playing the banjo. Even though the instrument came from African roots, black musicians shied away from the banjo because of its negative history in minstrel shows. Thanks to Taj Mahal and others, black musicians are now starting to reclaim this piece of their heritage. To this, I say, it's about time. Denisha, I want to hear uh, another track from your album, Highways. Here's a bit of a song called All the Sweet Tea. Now, you've described All the Sweet Tea as one of the best representations of your current style. If you had to not play but describe the sound of your music for us, what would you, what would you say? I would say the textures are acoustic. There are nods to traditional music. Um, the vocal is just without pretense and very purely treated. And... The lyrical content is really just about the beauty of life. My mission really with music is to put something beautiful into the world, something that moves people, and to be a part of something with other people. And that's the kind of music that I am aiming towards making. When you listen to yourself sing, what influences do you hear in your voice? Who do you hear? That's a great question. Um... Lately, I've been hearing other folks say this, and 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 I think I get it. Is I hear a lot of Joni Mitchell mm. there, sort of. There's like a lilting kind of quality to it. Um, George Strait is one of my all-time favorite artists. I hear some of that in the songwriting and in some of the melodies. When I think about you as a little girl growing up listening to Americana and... There, there hasn't been a lot of Black representation in the commercial side of the music. Did you still find yourself in it, though? Did you still, even though maybe there weren't visible examples or visible reflections of you, how did you find yourself in that music? For me, music has always been something that is bigger than myself. And I do find immense, endless value in in finding yourself, um, finding representatives of yourself in the things that you love and that you consume. Um, Something about this music, because culturally I was so immersed in it and it felt like something bigger than me, I think that I just went straight for the lyrics 
I went straight for the stories, the vignettes, the stories that were being told, and I just saw myself in them. I didn't necessarily have the dominant feeling of feeling separate from it, but I, I wanted to be a part of it. And I think that it's interesting now that I am now that representative that a young black kid growing up on this music or having an affinity for this music can look towards and feel even closer to this kind of music. While some of you are sending in your recommendations and Nitra emails, I highly recommend checking out Jarrett Tyler and John Fulbright, both Oklahoma natives and some of my all-time favorite musicians. Julie emails, I really love the band Camp. Great banjo, sultry vocals, and thought-provoking lyrics. And Catherine emails, Amethyst Kia is a force of nature as a singer-songwriter and guitarist. If she's not yet on your radar, give yourself this gift. Denisha, when you think about the creative journey you've taken through different genres, what what parts of that journey exist in the music you're making now? Right. So I have kind of traveled through all of these different formats and genres and sounds. And I think what I'm bringing to the Americana and country space from those experiences is texture. I think I'm... I'm bringing some of the like transcendence of being a person who is drawn to every genre that there is. So I think I'm kind of coming in through a different door into Americana and it's I'm bringing in some of the dimension of like the indie pop that I was making, some of the experimental nature of the shoegaze and the kind of post-punk nods that I was making in some of my previous records. And I think there's an ambient quality that shows up in my records that I'm bringing from the experimental music that I was making before. What's been the most pivotal part of your musical evolution so far? I think one of the things that is just the the biggest um, kind of mainstays for me in music, even as I'm a solo artist and there is sort of this isolation I think collaboration and community have been the most integral parts of my journey. I've been in different bands. I've worked with different producers. And that sort of interfacing with other artists and that exchange of ideas and the way that we influence each other and fortify each other has been some of the most memorable moments of my career. I'm uh, imagining some young Americana artists listening to you right now. What advice would you give them? I would say find your people and write your story as honestly as you can. And what about for fans who are looking to diversify the music they listen to or or just maybe looking for new talent? What's the best way to find new voices? I think, you know, firstly, uh, following the Black Opry, Uh, Finding out what artists are touring with the Black Opry and also public radio has been an incredible support for different types of music and sort of reaching past the status quo to find quality new music that's coming out all the time. You mentioned the Black Opry tour. What has that experience been like so far? Oh, it's been incredible. I mean, just from the absolute first moment I laid my eyes on the other Black Opry artists on the first date of the first tour, it felt 
there was an unspoken bond. Um, it, the connection feels like family. And then being able to come together and present our work jointly and also respectively to audiences who may or may not know who we are has has been a paradigm shift for me and I think for those audiences. It's been really incredible to be a part of this phenomenon. I feel like it's like growing and building every day. Take me just briefly inside that moment when you all are playing collectively and what that what that feels like. Right. <clears throat> every time, it's a different group of artists, right? So we play, there will be like four or five of us on stage and we play what we call in Nashville a writer's round. So each of us will play one of our songs and then we do that about five or six times around. And every time it's a different combination of artists. So the chemistry is different, but what's incredible is that the foundation is that we're passionate about what we do and our voices are coming together to amplify black art in Americana and country. So there's almost this earnestness to the intention and then the way we deliver it. It's unlike any other space that I have inhabited in the music industry. It's been really refreshing and artful and feels really honest. Well, to learn more about the Black Opry Tour, just head over to blackopry.com. We've been speaking with Denisha. She's a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. She also took part in the Black Opry Residency. Denisha, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Today's producer was Lauren Hamilton. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. We'll talk more soon. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.